Hello and welcome back to Tell's Podcast. My name is Busi and I am here with Andrew Nimi. Hi, good to be here. That's a lie, actually. We're not here. I guess we're here in the ether, in the airwaves. You're you're technically maybe not with me, but it all depends on your definition. What is your definition of with you? Uh, you'll you'll always be with me, no matter what, no matter what happens, and I will always be with you. Ah, that's cute. So, yeah. On this podcast, we talk about poker and love. So, if you are interested in either of those subjects, poker or love, you're in the right place. Welcome. I am interested in both of those. Mo- mostly love, though. You're interested in love more than you are poker. Definitely. Why is this? I feel like you never lose in love. At least I never have. You never lose in love? Yeah. What does that mean exactly? Well, when it's like, you know, true love, the true, true love, everyone wins. <laughs> it's not a competition, you know? Oh, so you don't have to try and be the best or what? No one's no one's getting bluffed out of this relationship. <laughs> uh, what would a bluff of out of a relationship look like? Probably lots of lying and cheating. Okay. And that's definitely not true love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if poker, if love was a game of poker, what would it look like? It would look like lots of, uh, lots of chip dumping to your, your opponent. It would look like a heads up match, but you're basically just like donating all of your chips to the other person. Ah. Um, hopefully the floor man wouldn't be getting involved. (laughs) (laughs) So it's an unmoderated, uh, heads up match. Although you can always use an outsider's perspective, you know, from time to time in a healthy relationship, it's good to get that. So, so that would, that would be the role of the dealer. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) That's cute. So why don't we have more poker games like that? Just donate donate chips and dollars to I don't know. People are all like comp- people are all like competitive and stuff out there trying to like get ahead of each other and You all not all of you, but there's such a big community of people friendly towards one another, right? In your Definitely. Poker world. Uh, Especially so at my uh, current location, which could be a nice segue to talk about where I am. Tell us where you are this week, <laughs> Andrew Nimi. I'm at the friendliest, happiest poker event in the history of mankind, which is Run It Up Reno at the Peppermill Casino. Is it the Disneyland of poker? Yeah, I guess maybe. I don't know if Jason's ever considered using that tagline. <laughs> but Without, you did say it's the happiest place, right, for poker? Yeah, the happiest Isn't place that on the Earth. tagline for Disney, the happiest yeah, place on Earth? Exactly. And that's what this is. Everyone, uh, you know, kind of a lot more chatter at the tables, definitely a lot more beverages, mostly low stakes, some mid stakes stuff happening, uh, lots of tournaments. And there was a funny story from Jamie Kerstetter, who is here. She was talking about how on her tournament table, a player flopped bottom set and jammed all in 
versus another player who had flopped a royal flush. Okay. And the player with the royal flush was saying, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to jam all in before actually calling? So basically, <laughs> basically slow rolling the other player. And eventually he called and the other player, you know, he rolled over his hand and the other player wasn't even mad about it. He was like this older gentleman. He's like, oh, wow, you, you flopped a royal flush. That's, that's great. That's amazing. And yeah, so then the uh, player with the royal flush took out his phone to take a picture, not of the board, but of the man who <laughs> had flopped the bottom set and who had gotten slow rolled. And uh, it was apparently the most hilarious thing that Jamie Kerstetter had seen at a poker table in a long time. That's so sweet because usually that's not the reaction, right? The reaction is anger. Yeah. The reaction is why the hell are you taking so long to call with the nuts? <laughs> but not here at Run It Up Reno. Here it's all smiles and hugs and um, occasional slow rolls that aren't taken on a sour note. Yeah, but what if he – so, I mean, he'd already – the guy with the bottom set had already made a decision. Was he giving him an, a way out? Not like, really. He was just kind yeah, of like so, joking, I mean, joking around being silly. I mean, I would have said, actually, no. I am undoing this move. What would happen if I did that? Uh, you would be called the female version of Armenian Mike who tried to do that on Live at the Bike and has since been banned from Live at the Bike. For that thing? For betting all in, getting called, and then saying, I was just kidding. It was a joke. I didn't really go all in. <laughs> I think I remember the story vaguely. He's not exactly welcome in the game anymore. Oh, that's too bad. Did he do this often? I mean, it's a little bit, isn't it a bit harsh for one time? Or is it because it's so much money? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it was like $10,000 bet or something. And okay. it's just, it puts the guys at Live of the Bike in a really tough spot because you can't have people like, it created this whole hoopla. He'd like defended himself for like 10 minutes saying he was just kidding. Because he had done this several times before where he'd like made a huge jam on the river and people folded and he, you know, collected the money in the pot. And he didn't say, I was just kidding. When he got caught bluffing doing it again, he was trying to have it both ways. You know, he was trying to say he was kidding when he got caught. And he didn't say he was kidding when he didn't get caught. And then he defended himself for 10 minutes. So they're like, all right, that's enough of this nonsense. We can't have people trying to angle themselves to make others feel bad into not paying you or have you not pay them or whatever. Okay. So I don't want to be a minion Mike then. So none of that stuff happening at Run It Up Reno. Uh, main event this weekend, we're in the money or not, not in the money. We are in the bag. We're in between day one and day two right now. And we're going to see what happens. No, no. That is not the attitude. We're going to win this tournament. It's about time. Oh, okay, my mistake. Yeah. We're going to win this tournament, baby. <laughs> you can't just be like, we're going to see what, what happens. You got to be certain. Isn't that what they say? Use the another, trophy. Another, another trophy on the way to uh, the trophy mantle. That's right. Do you miss me? Of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what, are you trying to show off? That somebody misses you when you are away? Mm -hmm. Don't blame you. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, Numi. Uh, how was the main event field? Uh, what do you mean? Like size of it or what? Yeah, size and uh, difficulty. It's a mix. Um, I think the size is a good turnout so far. Uh, we'll have to see because it's day 1B right now. So we'll see how many entrants they get. But it's a mix of... Um, there's a few pros in there. Uh, I was on a pretty tough table, actually. The second table um, that I got moved to, 
I had Ryan LaPlante on my right, former guest of Tell's podcast. And on my left was a guy named Patrick Tardiff, who recently signed to Party Poker as a pro. And who else? Dan O'Brien joined the table a little bit later on. So yeah, a few, uh, a few, a few people with pretty good poker resume uh, mixed in with some uh, non-professionals, some people who just like a game of cards occasionally. A uh, gentleman who flew out from uh, Ohio who owns like uh, a couple of Kroger stores, apparently, mm-hmm. and uh, was very happy to just be in the mix playing a tournament and some some names that he remembered or knows of. So yeah, it's a pretty big mix. It's it's cool. It's a cool vibe. What is the first thing that you want to do when you get back to Las Vegas? Um, make out with you. Oh. Who says I want to make out with you? You, oh, since we've done it lots of times before. <laughs> well, let me tell you this whole making out thing. Uh, did you receive any feedback from the from your poll? I never posted the poll. What? Yeah. Okay, so no feedback from the question <laughs> of whether people are making out. That was the title of last. Not last week, but the week before's podcast. Y'all making out? Y'all making out? That's a question. Right. So we didn't get any feedback from the listeners. We got uh, a comment from Jody, who is the mom of raising the nuts, and she said they definitely still make out. That's but good. That was about it from <laughs> the listeners' side. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. She also listed a bunch of a bunch of benefits to kissing, right? Yes. She said that kissing increases oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin, and decreases cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So keep making out like sixteen year olds. Ten years of marriage, and we still do. Okay. So just to refresh the uh, audience's memory here, this this conversation started when. Uh, I had a couple of friends in town who are my age and have been married for 10 years. And we got to talking about the, the five languages of love. And one of those is physical touch and somehow got on the topic of making out. And the female friend of that couple asked me if I still make out, you know, like if Boosie and I still make out. And I said, yeah, of course. And she thought that was very funny slash silly and asked if I was like, what, still 16 or something. So we, uh, we asked you guys if anyone's still making out out there after, you know, being married or, uh, long-term relationship. Yeah, sure. I got a lot of eye rolls. I must admit, because since we didn't get any written feedback, I started polling my friends Right. And I would say 90% married long-term relationships are not making out. The answer was, what? Seriously? Like when you said that you're that we still make out? No, I asked, are you guys still making out? They're like, no, seriously? No, of course not. That's crazy to me. I don't Is know. It? I mean, maybe we are uh, not adulting by <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Let's be honest with you. Let's be honest with each other here. What's wrong with you people? I read somewhere that making out, some people consider, like, think that making out is too much time. Uh, one of my friends actually said that 
what it hold on let me get my text messages out so i can actually read some quotes here let's see if i can find yeah these people have some explaining to do uh being together so much definitely changes the way we express intimacy i feel like making out is a pretty intense way to fuel the bond which we don't really feel like when we touch and caress all day every day is this a text message you received yes so one of your yeah. friends one of your friends said they're touching and caressing each other all day? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I guess that's good. The thing that stood up to me was like I feel that making out is a pretty intense way to fuel the bond. Which is like why shouldn't it be intense and it doesn't have to be the same way all the time, right? Fueling the bond? No, the way like the way you show intimacy right you know so just because you're cuddling doesn't mean you shouldn't make out and just because you're making out doesn't mean you should be cuddling it's kind of like an either or i don't know how can they say that they're cuddling and caressing all day first of all what do you mean how, who has time to do that all day <laughs> i don't know give me their names i need answers <laughs> um anyway i don't understand it yeah it's like so that it's, yeah, like I agree with you. Like they were saying that they, this is what they do and how they show affection. So they don't need to do this other thing. Right. I'm speculating here, but a lot of the feedback I got uh, was I don't, it's too much. Like I don't really want a tongue in my mouth, but I think maybe it's the way that making out is perceived that it has to be like this stick your tongue way down my throat type of thing. And I don't think it has to be that way necessarily. I, I don't like I like it all. Yeah, but that's what I mean, right? I think maybe it's like redefining what making out is. What is making out to you? Um I I think it's pretty I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Like, yeah. Tongue and mouth um sometimes it doesn't need to be all the time, but I feel like making out is kind of like well understood. But is it that you think of making out like you did when you were 16, when you probably really didn't know how to kiss and your tongue was like you're just jamming it in the other person's mouth? I don't know if that's how you kiss. Like, I am not sure. But that was a kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, these people are probably pretty terrible at making out now since they never do it. But that was another thing, like an article I read by a marriage therapist who said that people feel awkward making out and partly because they don't make out anymore. So now it is awkward to start making out again. I I think maybe that's the stigma that as we've been together a long time, you think that it's kind of juvenile to want to make out with your partner, maybe? I don't know. I'm not yeah, sure. That seems, that seems silly to me. I mean, maybe as some people get older, their um, what they desire uh, changes. Um, For sure, like they- everybody's. Yeah, and how they how they express themselves changes, but I still got that same uh, sort of drive and you know interests and desires as I did when I was sixteen. So to answer Gina's question, who asked who asked me that, what are you sixteen? Yes, I still am sixteen in my desires and passions, and I'm gonna express myself in the same way. Um, so maybe I'm just like developing slower than all y'all, <laughs> aging slower, aging slower. I mean, getting pretty, I getting pretty gray though. It's kind of terrifying. 
Oh, baby, not the gray story again. <laughs> I think I'm having a midlife crisis about that. <laughs> so keep making out. You'll feel young forever. Yeah, that's true. I do need to. I mean, I find it pretty interesting that people aren't making out. <laughs> I'm very curious. And, and I'm a little bit saddened that we don't have enough listener input on this making out topic. I don't know. Maybe people didn't take it as seriously because it was at the end of the podcast. Um, yeah, that could be true. That it wasn't like a real question that you were after or like a real answer that you're after. But I really want to know and whether you, I want to know, A, are you still making out? B, is there a reason that you stopped? Or, and would you like to go back to it? Or do you think that it takes too much effort? As one article said, that, you know, people don't want a French kiss anymore because it's just too much effort. And I'd rather make you a cup of coffee. And that's sort of showing that I appreciate you. But what do we know? We're so young too. We need to ask somebody who's like 60 or no, somebody who's like 80, been married 60 years and is still making out. Well, that I mean, would be ideal. There must be a lot of, a lot of 80-year-olds that aren't if we've already found like a bunch of people in their 30s that aren't. Because we could be wrong. Maybe our well, relationship is not evolving because we're still in the makeout phase. Did you ever yeah, think well, of that? The thing that, uh, I mean, yeah, if you're not into that? it, that's fine. The thing that's the thing that uh, stuck sticks out to me is um, just that question of what are you like sixteen still? Because like I don't see why it's only a thing when you're younger. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm weird. Maybe we're weird, baby. Maybe. I'm gonna I'm gonna post the poll um, on my Instagram and ask uh, if you're. I don't know. Is it is it only for people that have been in a long term relationship, or is it people like over the, a certain age, or what? Not. It's got nothing to do with age. I think it's like. A, a long comfortable relationship because when you meet somebody you are making out generally i would think that you kiss somebody before you have sex with them i mean it's not always the case i'm sure but i think that's how it evolves i don't know i'll figure out a way to make a i don't know how i don't know how to make the poll because there's only if you want only people that uh, have been in a in a relationship you know, a medium or long-term relationship. I don't know how to get it. So it's only those people voting. What? Yes, but that's the, those are the people that we want. I think maybe it's possible that we have it wrong. It's possible that we are using the physical side to not deal with the aging, growing side, maturing of our relationship into something that doesn't need the physical to carry it. You think we're you think we're doing that? Maybe. Oh man, that's that's not good. Do you know what I mean? Why are we still making out? Is our relationship not maturing to a point where we are we don't need the physical side in order to stay connected, intimate? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe maybe we're maybe we're immature. Because my friend Olivia did say it's probably different for us because we're apart a lot more, but I don't know. Deep thoughts. <laughs> well, let's have the listeners of the podcast help us solve this relationship question, conundrum. Okay, Are we well, immature 
because we're still making out. I mean, and I know there's going to be the answer of, oh, all relationships are different, blah, blah, blah. But first instinct, I want to hear your first thought, not your rationalized thought. Do you think that if you're making out, you're just using the physical as a crutch and not maturing in your relationship? Hmm. Never thought of it that way. But uh, I think people will definitely know that we're serious now since we spent 25 minutes uh, talking about making out rather than just sticking it in at the end of the last podcast. So looking forward to hearing about it. All right, let's move on. Shall we go and answer some listener feedback? We shall. Are you sad now? That our relationship is immature? Yeah. I don't really give a shit. (laughs) What makes a relationship mature? Like because people got married and have kids and now they have a mature relationship or is it just because... Does, is it okay that like we've spent a lot of time together, we get to know each other better and better all the time, and we grow old, older, we we learn together and things like that? It isn't just because like you had kids. Yeah, I don't know. Shouldn't this be is at what least. We, we need help with because. But I bet. I, but I bet like people who've had kids, they'll be like, "Oh, you don't understand. It's good. Everything becomes different. Your whole life changes." So maybe they're right. Maybe I'm just naive. Jody Savage says they still make out. And they have three children. I mean, I I totally agree that having kids will change your whole life and change your relationship because there's a lot more stuff to do. I don't know what you can or can't do because we don't have kids. But there's also my thing of use what you have because it's not going to be forever, right? So... We can still make out today, so we should make out. We can still have sex. We should have sex because one day those things might not be available and might not be possible. But then we can sit on our rocking chair in the old age home and be like, that was fun. We had great times, great kissing when all our teeth are falling out and we can't make out. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Let's get some feedback though. Okay. Let's ask, answer Ben's question. Since we can't fix our own questions, let's answer Ben's question. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Ben says, love advice is the title of his email. He says, I really enjoy the podcast and have my fiance listening to it now to get a sense of the poker lifestyle since she's had no experience, previous experience with it before we met. I know you guys don't have kids, but I have some questions anyway. I play cash full-time and have three girls of my own. I'm from Oklahoma, but moved to California a couple of years ago to grind. But I've recently moved back to Oklahoma because I miss the kids, obviously, Um, even though when I was in California, I was traveling back and forth a ton. Uh, My fiance is amazing, but is just so unfamiliar with how poker works and the ups and downs associated with it. I struggle with trying to provide some sort of stability So I've taken on some side jobs and pondering taking a real job to ease her mind. She has three kids as well. One is in college and I completely understand her side of things. We communicate very well and she trusts me, but her family and friends question her constantly and that bothers her. Poker is tougher anyway in Oklahoma because of the limited amount of games and I would have to travel and chase the tournament stops to maintain what I'm used to making. And being around the kids and her is the main reason I moved back to Oklahoma. I'm just trying to figure out the best course of action 
Any thoughts would be appreciated. Keep up the great work. Sincerely, Ben. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot going on there, Ben. It's tough. It's a tough situation. Just start like... making out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is our solution to all of life. <laughs> Jam that tongue in someone else's mouth. <laughs> Uh, so there's three different, or not three, there's a, several different, uh, situations happening, I think in this situation, one, which I think is the easiest of the situations to, I guess, like give advice for is that his fiance's, um, friends and family constantly question her about what he's, um, doing professionally <clears throat> and, there's, I think that's like, it's, it's understandable um, that people don't understand it or have questions about it. Um, and I get a lot of like questions and DMs about that. Like, how do I uh, tell my parents about this as a profession? How do I explain it to my friends um, that it's, you know, that I'm taking it seriously and that you can actually make a living out of this? And so the answer is basically, you know, you have to like sit down and take time to thoughtfully present it in a manner that they would understand. I think we've been over this on the podcast in previous episodes, but just quickly, you know, you show them long-term results, you show them a graph, you explain how poker is different from casino games. You're not playing against the house at a disadvantage. You're playing against other players where you probably have an advantage due to, due to the amount of work that you've put in and others haven't, et cetera. So you present all that thoughtfully and you do that. And then if they come back with like the same questions or questioning, questioning like, why he doesn't have a real job or why is he gambling for a living or something like that. You sort of just say, I'm not interested in talking about it anymore since I explained it to you and you don't really have an interest in understanding it or you don't have those friends anymore or no, I don't know. It's not like it has to be that drastic, but you basically explain it once to the best you can and then you sort of move on. Right. Mm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that's, that makes sense. At the end of the day, you're not living for them. So it would be nice to be able to cater to everybody's needs and supposed concern or actual concern about your life. But there's just that it's, it's impossible because nobody will not, nobody will be happy at the same time as somebody else about your choices about your life. Yeah. So it's one thing if like they are genuinely curious and um supportive and want to understand um you know things that are going on with with you guys and how it all works it's another thing if they're just being judgmental and you should be able to kind of tell the difference like i can explain things to you know certain friends i have um you know pretty much all my my closest friends they're they're genuinely interested and want to know how how it's all going and the latest developments and stuff and then you know i don't really spend a lot of time on people that are going to be judgmental about it and don't have any uh, desire to understand it. So that's like, I think, the easier thing to give advice about. Uh, the tougher thing to give advice about is moving back from California, limiting your income. Um, I've never played in Oklahoma. I've heard the games are decent, like at Windstar and uh, Choctaw and various places. But I do know that California games are my favorite games out there and it's tough to decide um, or give advice as to like what you should do since you're going to be, as you said, taking a pay cut 
and um, not bringing in the income that you've grown accustomed to, what do you think he should do? Run away to California with his fiance, her kids and his kids, and then buy the Spirit Airlines $9 (laughs) program so that the mom, the kid's mom and the fiance's kid's dad can come and visit them in California. Okay, nice. Um, And then that solves all your problems. Yeah. There's also (laughs) the fact that they're all going to be living in California where the cost of living is more expensive as well. Uh, Every kid get a job. (laughs) Okay, there you go. (laughs) See, I figured it out. Yeah. It's a really tough one because obviously there's a reason that you are home in, in Oklahoma at the moment. There's no right way. I don't know if it's okay to say that if it reduces your anxiety, get a job, play poker part-time, and then maybe when the kids are older, you go back to playing poker in California. I don't know if that's the right thing. So if you're not going to travel to be away from the kids, which you were doing when you're in California, and you can't make the money that reduces the amount of potential anxiety you have around having the same lifestyle, then you have to make the decision to reduce your anxiety. What I struggle with with these sorts of questions is how to provide an answer that isn't as cliche as saying you have to decide which aspect of your life makes you the most happy and then build your life around that. So like you said, if if he gets most stressed out by being in California and away from the family and the money that he makes doesn't make up for the stress level, then he should be back in Oklahoma spending more time with the family at the lower income rate. If the lower income rate is too stressful, then he should look into getting a part-time job to go along with poker um, or a full-time job that pays more than poker, if that's possible. Because then the stress level will be less, you'll be able to spend time with your family, and you maybe don't care about poker as much as you care about being with your family and spending all that time with them. Yeah, it's hard because there's no right answer. I think once you've built your life with all these other people being stakeholders in that, then you've already sort of made a lot of the decision. You know, there's all these other people involved in in this decision. And so I feel like if you've made that decision to surround yourself and, you know, have kids and all these other things, then I feel like that was um, a big part of the equation into deciding what to do. It's so much easier for a single person to obviously go off to California and make more money if they like it there. But I feel like once you've built a family, then it's really tough to have it both ways, which is the question. But I feel like you've kind of made a big part of the decision already. I'll say this from a non-poker player, Ben, is that I don't think there's going to be the perfect answer, and that's okay too, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe you do stay in Oklahoma and your kids don't get all the trinkets and baubles and tchotchkes that other kids get because it's important to you to play poker and that's how you want to make your living. And that's fine. Like, that's okay. You have to just talk to your fiance and sort of decide together what type of life you want to live. Because then 
that might be helpful in making the decision so that you don't feel like you have to make the decision on your own since you have all these other parties involved in your life. So if, because I think the stress will kill you anyway. So if you can reduce the anxiety because of a decision that you can make that won't adversely affect your health, I make the decision. No? Like if meetup games were killing you, would you still do meetup games? Like if you broke out in hives every time you went to a meetup game, would you continue doing meetup games? No. And like a big reason why I want to do less of them is just because it's so exhausting. I feel like my body is actually like telling me like it's too much. So, and you can change your mind. So you do this for a couple more years. You've moved back from California. Stay in Oklahoma. If it doesn't, you know, spark joy. What is the Mary Kondo? If it doesn't right. spark joy in two years, sit down with your fiance, maybe your wife at the time, revisit the conversation. I don't think things are have to be closed. Just because yeah. you made a decision today, you can sort of revisit the decision a couple of years later. Oh, poker. Poker <laughs> dramas. It's a tough life out there. But, you know, the thing is that like... Unless you just get an accounting job or whatever. It doesn't matter because like, I just feel like there's so many. Everybody has their stresses. Like my buddy, who is actually the other half of this uh, couple that we were talking about, has been in accounting and finance. Uh, we're the same age. So ever since he graduated college. And he just, you know, he talks about it's it's super long hours. It's stressful. And he's had he's gone through periods of his life where he's had like panic attacks and stuff and all this stuff. So this is a very like, you know, you think of accounting uh, or whatever as, uh, you know, a very sort of by the books, literally and figuratively type of job and career. Much different from poker where there's, you know, variance. You never know what you're going to make and all this stuff. So, you know, everybody's got their uh, their shit in life. Yeah, it says which shit sandwich you want to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though, it's like which shit sandwich are you willing to eat? There's no right or wrong. It's just it is what it is. And I think the biggest thing is just being knowing that you have a choice. You can revisit that decision and then change your mind. And people get over your decisions because outside people don't really think about you that much. Yeah, Everybody's but... got their own sandwich. Sure. I don't know if we've been any help, but maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you for writing in all your love advice. Um, I think it's just important, like Andrew was saying, talk to your partner. Just like tell them, I don't really know if this is the right decision and we're going to do it. And we can always, like, backtrack. So I think this is all we have time for. What do you think, Nimi? I think you're right, baby. Time to make out. <sighs> virtually. Virtually, virtually <laughs> in cyberspace. We appreciate you listening to the Tells podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Tell your friends and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast. And let us know. See, baby, you should use the Queen's English. Are you making out? Not y'all making out. People probably <laughs> didn't understand. 
<laughs> okay, my bad. <laughs> All right, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Hold on. When is your uh? When does your bachelor party end? Oh yeah, we got a bachelor party in Vegas. Not mine. A friend of mine. Um, it's on Thursday and Friday, and then they fly back on Saturday. So oh, okay, we'll still be able to record. Perfect. Just making sure there'll be time for tells. I'll tell you guys all about a bachelor party next week. Bye. Bye.